Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hey there, episode number 57 of the podcast. Just myself today. I've enjoyed having guests on over the last few weeks. Lockdown was getting a little bit challenging with the podcasts. I recorded 20 solo casts in a row. You're just looking at the wall in front of you. You have no facial expressions looking back at you. You have no responses from people. There's no immediate feedback loop. So you don't know how people are going to respond to things. When you have guests in, it's nice. You can get conversation going. You can see instant reactions. You know what's going down well, what's not going down well. So it was lovely to get the guests back. And the feedback we had from those last couple of episodes was really, really good too. Really positive. We would Maeve Maxwell on first. She of the normal people. Normal People, one of the biggest shows in Ireland over 2020, probably over a very long time. It's one of the most popular shows we've seen. It was lovely to get Maeve on, just chat to somebody from a different background. I find it really interesting to chat to people who have, I suppose, a totally different way of life to myself. Areas of life that I would have no idea about. It's really interesting to learn about them. Acting, theatre, I would have never even crossed into those areas. So just to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and see how their life works and see what goes on in their life, hear their backstory, something that's probably totally different to mine. So it was really, really interesting. So I enjoyed that conversation with Maeve. Last week we had Fergal Nolan on. Fergal is one of my online clients. Fergal is a regular listener to the podcast. One of the most popular episodes we've had in a long time too. It went down really well. I got so much positive feedback on that. Right up to even Monday or Tuesday, I was receiving messages on social media. I was receiving emails about it. Just people saying they really enjoyed it and they took a lot out of it. I think the reason being that Fergal was very relatable for a lot of people. He's a nice guy, but he's also very relatable in that he's the same as you. He's the same as 99% of people who listen to the podcast. So I've had Olympians on. I've had people from normal people on. We've had really high profile people. We've had elite athletes. And although their journeys are incredibly inspiring and people will look up to them, it's also nice to get somebody who's on the same level as yourself. Fergal was just a guy who had gained a lot of weight, had lost a bit of confidence in himself, and he was wondering how to get back from that. So he took the bull by the horns and he started doing a little bit of running. Then he got in touch with me just to bring him to the next level. And you've seen the amount of work he's done on mindset. You've seen how much he's changed his diet. You've seen how hard it was for him. It's not just flicking a switch and there you go. It's a long process. And I've been working with Fergal now for about nine months. So I think it was really something that resonated with people, that they could identify themselves in that. And I think that was why it was such a popular episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I know you enjoyed it because I got a lot of comments about it. Today's podcast is part two of a podcast I started about three or four weeks ago. It feels like forever ago now, so you might have forgot about it. So I'm just going to remind you in case that is the situation. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to the first part. I think it was about episode number 54, maybe-ish. Go and check. It's not too long ago. So the episode was called Eating Consciously and Eating Mindlessly. And this is part two of that episode. I'm going to keep it much shorter today. Last week we rolled into about an hour and 37 minutes, I think. So this is going to be much, much shorter, much more concise, straight to the point today. Um, Yeah, it's great to get the longer episodes in as well. I love listening to long episodes. But for today, I think a short one is going to do the job because I just want to get straight to the main points of this about eating mindfully rather than mindlessly. I had a great conversation yesterday with a friend and colleague, somebody I look up to, somebody I have a lot of time for within the industry. And we were speaking about training in general before food even comes into it. The way I operate, guys, often you'll hear with the podcast when I'm having a conversation, even just a solo cast, one topic tends to flow into the next. And that typically is the way I have conversations with people as well, because I'm quite passionate about what I do. And what you see is what you get. As I am in the podcast tends to be the way I am in real life, too. And with this guy, we would just start very casual conversations, going to be back in the gym and so on and so forth. And it led on to then just conversation around how training is going at the minute, as you normally would do. Somebody who trains, as your natural line of conversation. 
And he said to me, you're in good nick at the moment. And my response to him was, you know, I actually, I'm not really that bothered about aesthetics, being honest. Like my, my reason for training is that I really enjoy it and it keeps me feeling good. And, you know, the, if you look okay, that's a happy byproduct of that. But it's not the main reason I train. My goals are not completely aesthetically focused as I think it is for a lot of people. So he was really really good around that and he understands that i was explaining that i train for health it's not you know it's not necessarily to look incredible and we just such a really interesting conversation about it because this is a guy who has done a physique competition on stage as well at one point or another and yeah he just backed up an awful lot of my own opinions on that and i think people look at people who do physique competitions and they think they're the ideal they're what we want to be they're what we really aspire to be they have everything sussed out they know everything within a degree of their life they're happy because they look incredible. I think that's what we think. We think, you know, that person on stage, amazing shape. What more could they want? They have to be just so, so happy in that. And I've always said many times in this podcast, I've said people who compete are often among the most insecure people in the world. Believe that or not, because there tends to be underlying self-esteem issues there. Not always. That's a general sweeping statement. You can't say it about everybody, but there is a very high percentage. So there's underlying conditions there. Not underlying conditions, but maybe underlying issues that they maybe were less confident in themselves at a previous point. And also, a lot of those people have issues with food when they come off stage again. And he backed this up for me. He said yesterday to me, I did one competition. I wouldn't be going back to do another one. He said, it's absolutely horrible. I felt so weak, low energy absolutely miserable felt moody you're snapping the heads off people around you because your calorie intake is so low by the time you get on stage horrible horrible feeling it is um he told me then after he came off stage he just started eating all around him within the space of literally i think it was about three days he gained 20 pounds in like three days so that's what happens for a lot of people who step on stage i'm not saying don't do it i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because there's incredible discipline required in it it takes some amount of work to get into that shape it's not easy at all so you have to admire that aspect of it all i'm saying to you is it's not the ideal you think it is and you look at instagram and you see those pictures that are taken in a moment but that's only one moment as he said to me yesterday i look like that for one day abs three days later goodbye they were gone you know, so it's really balancing it out. For the average person listening to this, you are just somebody who wants to live a healthy life. You want to look some ways decent. You want to be healthy. That's ultimately what most people I think are looking for. So I think you need to understand that it's relevant. What's relevant to you? And this is why I think, I think Fergal was a great guest last week because he was somebody that people could relate to. Whereas maybe that getting on stage, you think it's the ultimate. I think people that have done it will sometimes tell you that it's not or the ones that are really honest the really honest ones will tell you that it's not and there's a lot of spin-off from that as well i mean there's stuff that doesn't get spoken about for females a lot of the time their periods stop for fellas sexual function tends to disappear so that to me is your body's way of saying to you whoa hold on here a second I need more calories. I need a little bit more fat on my body. Rather than you thinking that that's the ideal, that's something to aspire to, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the perfect situation. So that was just a few thoughts on that. After chatting to him, it was really interesting to hear from somebody that has done it and somebody that says I would never do it again. Because I think very often you will get people who do it and they get so into it that they want to do it over and over and over. But I think a lot of the time what happens there is people get into the situation exactly like my friend and colleague there where the weight starts piling on once they come away from it and then they start to panic. And they feel like I need to get back there to where I was. That's how I should look. Look how I looked on that day. That's how I should look. And that's how I want to be every day. But it's not realistic to look like that every day. Nobody looks like that every day. So I think, you know, for those people, it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. 
because they think that that is where they should be and that's the level they should be at and i guess they feel a certain level of pressure as well because they've put those pictures on social media from that day that they feel like they're a failure if they don't look like that all the time and that people will respect them a little bit less so if you're one of those guys i just want to say to you straight off don't think that we all respect the level of discipline you've done to get there we all respect what you've done we all admire you for that but be yourself too and be okay with coming back to a more natural state it's absolutely natural, it's normal, it's perfectly okay. So don't feel like you should be at that level 365 days of the year because you shouldn't be and nobody is. Even the best bodybuilders at the best people who compete in physique competitions, none of them are at that level all year round. So just be aware of that. Today's podcast, why am I doing today's podcast? The reason I'm doing today's podcast or one of the reasons I'm doing today's podcast is because I feel like when we speak about eating mindfully and we speak about eating consciously, sometimes the lines get a little bit blurred. I think people say... You have to eat in balance, which you do, and I'm all for that. I think, yes, have your treats, enjoy them, 100% do that. But I do think sometimes it goes too much the other way. Like, I see people online posts and constantly, like, there's one or two even people who are qualified in, in personal training and stuff that I see online and that are overweight, that are unhealthy, and they're constantly posting about balance. But all they're posting is their Costa coffees and their drinking and their martinis and living the good life. That's not balance, guys. It's okay to have a wee treat, but if you're very overweight or if you're out of shape, you're justifying and you're rationalizing and you have to start facing up to that. That's not balance. That's gone too far the other way. So that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I think it's important to understand that you have to have balance. You have to have your odd treats, but it's moderation. It's not going completely the other way where it's all alcohol. It's all the treats. It's all the chocolate. And then it's a little bit of broccoli and veg thrown in. It's not that. So you have to be looking at I I think it's about 80 percent good healthy nutritious foods and then the 20% is the balance that's where you can have your little treats so just to get that message across before we start I, I don't want people to think that I'm going out here doing a podcast to get people eating clean and eating healthy and doing perfectly it's not about that at all but it is about having that level where yes you're eating well you're eating good healthy nutritious foods but you're having a little treat but it's only treats now and again it's not the main source of fuel in your diet which is what a lot of people do and then they justify and rationalize it by telling yourself i have to have a life i have to have an odd treat but it's more than an odd treat so let's call that from the start okay let's get into today's podcast because i don't want to spend too long on it um one thing i would look at we i'm just picking up from where i left off so if you haven't heard the previous episode go and listen to it picking up from where i left off my next thing i'm going to say is Maybe keep a food diary. If you're not sure where, the, sure where the issues are, I think it's good to keep a food diary for a few days, maybe even for a few weeks, to get a really good indicator of where the main issues are for you. Write everything down. Everything that passes your lips. Put it on paper. If it's a salad, write down even what went into the salad. So it's not just writing salad for lunch. Write down exactly what was in that salad. Because a salad can differ greatly. You can look at portion sizes. You can look at what's gone in. You can look at dressings. There might be a huge dollop of mayonnaise in there. So there's all sorts of stuff. It's not just a generic salad. Write down exactly what goes in. When you start keeping food diaries or even just writing things down, it's not about being obsessive, but it's just about being aware. Bringing a level of awareness to it. When people write things down, a couple of things start to happen. So firstly, we become more conscious. It forces us to become more conscious. You'll often hear people use the phrase, be more conscious around your eating, which is an easy thing to say. It's like saying to people, be more positive. But what does it actually mean in a practical sense? It's only a phrase, really, if that's how you look at it. I think once you actually write things down, keep a little food diary for a few days, for a few weeks, for a few months if you need to, it brings that level of awareness. That's practically being conscious. Now you're actually looking at what is going into my mouth. What am I eating every day? You're seeing it on paper in black and white. Some things are going to shock you. There's times you're going to look and you go, 
Did not realise I was eating all that. Did not realise there was that much little treats going in. Did not realise that was happening. So that's how you bring, bring conscious awareness to something. To actually track it. People don't like doing it. They'll use the thing again. I don't want to be obsessive. It's not about being obsessive. If you find yourself getting obsessive about it. Then don't do it. But I think for a few weeks it is a good idea. If you're not sure where the main issues are. Just write things down. Write things down. So the couple of things that happen. Firstly we become more conscious. Next thing that happens is. We make better decisions. And we make better decisions because we're more aware. We've brought awareness to the situation. So we make better decisions. That's the second thing. The third thing that happens is that we become more controlled and more structured. More controlled, more structured. When I work with clients, I'll often do food plans with them, especially at the beginning. As we go on, they start to realize the type of foods that work well for their body, the type of foods their body responds well to. They don't need to look so much at food plans anymore. They'll start making healthier decisions themselves. At the beginning, I work with food plans to give them a little bit of a structure. So they can see what it looks like in a practical sense. Again, being conscious, being aware, being mindful. They can look at that and they go, these are what this is, these are the types of foods I'm going to eat. This is what I'm going to have tomorrow. Now I can get a little bit of preparation done. Now I've got my little lunch boxes and I'm ready to go. So they're cutting out a lot of problems before they even arise. They've got a plan. They've got a structure. They've got good healthy foods with them. They're not ending up going to a deli for lunch, standing in a deli looking, going, what am I going to have? And then a chicken fillet roll comes in. And then there's the baguette and there's the coleslaw and there's whatever else has gone in there whereas if they've already planned they've got a bit of structure it works well for them so that's why i think it's a good idea for a few weeks if you're not sure where the main issues are in your diet to start tracking things write everything down you can use my fitness pal if you like i use it myself one of the days last week sometimes i just use it occasionally just when i feel like i want to tighten up a little bit on things i don't use it regularly at all actually last week was the first time i've ever used it i think to be honest i think it works well occasionally if you feel like i just want to get a little bit more of a handle on things just rein things in a little bit so just for a day or two just to see what's going on see what the calorie intake is like see where calories could possibly be cut again you'll see little things creeping in that you weren't aware that were going in you don't even need to use my fitness pal an old old school pen and paper works well too just write everything down even do it for two three weeks you'll be amazed at what shows up for you and that can lead you to a lot of solutions so that's why i think that works well okay um yeah consciously eating being aware of what we're eating one of the big things that trips people up again is unconsciously eating in the car or at the desk at work just doing it through sheer habit. You don't even know you're doing it. It's like reaching for the biscuits in the press. It's something that happens. It's something that you're not aware of. So what I'm going to say to you here is respect yourself. Respect yourself. Respect the fact that you deserve a lunch break. And take time to have that lunch break. And make a meal of everything that you eat. If you actually make a meal of everything that you eat, you'll probably find that you eat less. If you consciously make an effort to put things on a plate and sit down with a knife and fork and make a meal of it. You're going to find that your overall calorie intake is going to come down because what's going to happen there is the snacking at the desk, the snacking in the car, that's not going to happen anymore. And for a lot of people, that's where a lot of the calories are coming from. It's not even, well, of course, you're going to have calories through your meals. That's going to be your main calories. But a lot of the excess calories, shall we say, that tends to come from the unconscious eating. It's the picking of bits and pieces. It's the stuff that if I said to you, tell me what you ate yesterday. You would tell me what went into your breakfast. You would tell me what went into your dinner. You would tell me what you went into lunch. But you wouldn't even think about what you were eating at your desk. You wouldn't mention it. because, And it's not that you're trying to trick me or it's not that you're trying to fool me. It's that you're not aware of it. So this is what I speak about. When I speak about conscious eating, this is what you need to bring a level of awareness to. So I hope that's making sense to you guys because that is the problem for a lot of people. So respect yourself. Turn everything into a meal. Don't look at it that you're busy. You don't have time. Therefore, it's just shoving food in your gob 
while you're sat at a desk or while you're in the car. Respect yourself enough to say, I'm not doing that. I'm respecting myself enough to give myself a proper break and have a proper meal. Think about that, guys, because that could be pretty powerful. I reckon for a lot of you, that will be pretty powerful. We're kind of conditioned at the moment that food is the be all and end all. And we celebrate with food and we reward ourselves with food. And food is just what life is about. That's a that's a mindset that has led to an obesity epidemic. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. Ireland is on track to be the most overweight nation in Europe by 2030. I think we're in third or fourth place at the moment. Fair play to us, we're winning something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not it's not something we want to be winning, guys. And I think it it's that culture of abundance. There's too much abundance all around us. We nearly have it too good. Like we celebrate everything by overeating. And it's just something that we've made normal now. And alcohol and food are the main two. They're the things we celebrate. Think about it. Everything we do, be it a christening, a wedding, a funeral, kids events. You're looking at communions. You're looking at confirmations. We even turn those into alcohol events. We turn those into a feast of food. There's food everywhere. There's lovely trays of food passing us by. There's all this yummy stuff. And although we're not hungry, that doesn't matter. We have to eat anyway because it's there. So we're going to shove everything into ourselves because it's there. We do the same at weddings. Oh, look, free wine. That doesn't mean you have to drink all the wine, guys. You know, it can be done in moderation again. So I think that's a major issue for a lot of people. It's being aware Aware enough to say, I'm not hungry. I don't need all that. I'm going to be disciplined here. I'm not just going to shove things in because there's 20 trays of food lined along in front of me. What an opportunity. I don't have to pay for this. Well, do you know what, guys? You're paying for it with your health and with your body composition. That's how you're paying for it. It might not be a monetary payment, but you're paying for it. So think about that, folks. Bring awareness to all that. I started eating consciously about six or seven years ago really started bringing awareness to what was going into my body, really started questioning a lot of things, really started questioning societal norms. You have to start thinking for yourself. If you're following society, guys, I've mentioned it there, we're on track to be the most overweight nation in Europe by 2030. Do you really think this is a good time to be following society like a sheep? Think for yourself. Think for yourself. That's what I've done over the last six or seven years. I've really started eating very consciously, making my own decisions based on what I want to do, based on what my body responds well to, based on my goals, based on my energy levels, based on what matters to me and on my core values, not on what matters to somebody else. To be honest, guys, I couldn't care less if people think less of me because I'm not stuffing my face at a wedding or at a christening. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I don't really care if people are going to judge me on that anymore, to be honest. It's it's what works for me, so other people's opinions, let them do what they want, I'll do what I want. And I think that's the phrase or that that's the state of mind you nearly need to get into. You need to do what works for you and what works for you only and nobody else. Think about yourself. It's not a selfish thing, guys, to want to be healthy. It's not a selfish thing to want to put foods into your body that fuel you and make you feel good and bring the best out of you. That's what works well for me. That's what I would suggest would work well for a lot of people if they actually were strong enough to say, I'm going to be my own person. I'm not just going to follow the crowd not just going to do it because everybody else is doing it. Not just going to do it because the society dictates that we should shove food into our mouth at every opportunity because that's what everyone else is doing. Yeah, makes sense. You know, people often ask me about the way I eat and they'll ask me, how do I eat like that? They'll say it almost with regard to thinking that I'm being really strict, but it's not for me. It's not that I'm being strict. It's normal for me. It's my normal operating procedure now. My NOP, a business term, but that's how it works for me. That's just the way I view it. I don't, I'm not depriving myself at all. Like I still have my odd treats. I still, as much as anybody, I love having profiteroles for dessert and I'll always have them. 
but I'm very much conscious to eating now. And I eat in a way that during the week, you'll never catch me having a takeaway, for example. During the week, I would be very, very good at my food. And that's just the way it is. Normally then at the weekends, my food is still really, really good too. It's probably 85, 90% it's nutritious foods, but I will have a little bit more leeway. I'll have the odd treat. And people will ask me, well, how do you do that? You know, and then the next thing that comes in is typically the kind of roll of the eyes. Actually, you have to have a life. You have to have a life. That's the next phrase that comes out. I think that's a way for people to rationalize and to justify their own behaviors. I don't think it's anything about me. I think it's them making themselves feel better. It's them making themselves feel like I'm deprived of myself or that there's something wrong with me or that I'm some sort of freak in nature. That if I'm eating healthy, nutritious foods 80% of the time, 90% of the time, that I'm the odd one out. And therefore, they don't need to worry because what they're doing is the same as what everybody else is doing. So therefore, it's normal. So I'm the issue, not them. I, th- I think that's the way it is for a lot of people. I think that's the way their head operates. I think that's the way their mind operates. But I do think deep down, people are trying to avoid confronting issues. I think they're trying to avoid the thing that's causing them maybe unhappiness at times. The thing that they know is underlying. The thing that they know is an issue for them. But they don't want to confront it because it sounds like or it feels like it's too hard to give it up. They don't want to confront the hard thing. It's easier to say that the problem is me. The problem is me. The person there who's eating 85-90% healthy foods. So therefore you have to have a life. That's the phrase. But it's a justification. It's a rationalization. You have to have a life. I have a great life. I have my traits and I have great energy levels as well. I have a good life. I feel good. I have a lot of clarity. I have a lot of focus. My head is never cloudy anymore. I feel amazing because I'm putting good fuel in my body. So I think I have a life, guys. I think I have a life. There's no issue here. Um, But yeah, I think that's what people do. And that's the society we live in as well. And you think about even things like Christmas. Like Christmas Day as well. It's one of those episodes where people just really do the dog on it with food and with alcohol it's once a year I have to do it I have an amazing Christmas day and again I enjoy treats and I overeat a little bit but I don't overeat to the point where I cannot move where I'm sitting down and I'm bloated and I'm sluggish and I'm falling asleep in the chair and I feel horrible I never overeat to that point because why why would you abuse your body like that that's that's the way I that's my perspective on it and other people view it differently they'll say it's one day of the year eat as much as you can eat drink and be merry okay fair enough do what you want to do but I think don't judge somebody either who wants to you know just have their have their ice cream after the Christmas dinner have a few celebrations is that the sweets celebrations roses whatever it is you're having yourself I think you can do that you can do it within moderation my Christmas day would always look like this I would get up in the morning I would get a good breakfast into me if I get a good breakfast into me, it means I'm probably not going to overeat during the day. So I'm causing out, cutting out a lot of problems before they even arise. I would kind of see my nieces, my nephew, just enjoy a bit of time chilling out, doing nothing usual Christmas Day stuff, have Christmas dinner, have a little bit of dessert afterwards, have a few chocolates. And then I get up and go for a walk. And I get up and go for a walk because I love to get out in the fresh air and I feel so much better when I come back. And I'll sit down and I'll enjoy the evening. And it's a lovely, lovely relaxed day. But at the same time, I haven't abused my body. I haven't took in 4,000 calories for the, just for the sake of it because this day is called Christmas because it's just, it's another day. But people just put this name on it. It's Christmas. Therefore, I'm just going to abuse my body, going to do the dog on it. And the problem with that, I think, is that a lot of people, it's not even the one day. It's two, three weeks of it. And then they come back and it's just utter panic and they feel horrible and they're lethargic and they don't know where to start again. So you don't need to do that. So I think it's just, 
look, I know people are disagreeing with me listening to this, and people go, oh no, it's Christmas, you're talking rubbish, you're talking nonsense. That's fair enough. Look, I've everyone's entitled to their own opinion, you're entitled to do what you want to do. I'm just giving you my perspective on things. And every time I do a podcast, I'm just giving you my experience, I'm giving you my thoughts, and you could do what you want with that. You can throw them in if you want, that's fair enough. You might agree with some of it, you might disagree with other parts of it, fair enough too. So it's just, take bits out of it, take bits that are relevant to you, Something you might agree with, something you might not agree with. But as long as you get something out of this podcast, that's all we're looking for. So I hope that is happening in some way. Um, when we when we look at people with health issues or weight issues, nothing changes until the person really wants to change. Nothing changes until the individual really wants to change and is actually ready to change. They have to be ready to change. If they're not, we're wasting our time. I've had situations where couples come to me, one person drags the other person along and it's very, very obvious from day one that the other person doesn't want to be there. They don't want to talk to me. They're not interested. But they feel like they have to go along with it. Maybe for the sake of a happy marriage, maybe to keep the wife or the husband happy, they have to go along with it. Honestly, guys, if you're somebody listening to this and you feel like your partner needs to lose weight or your partner needs to get in shape, you are wasting your time forcing them into it. And don't bring them to me because I won't work with them unless they want to do it themselves. So I'm giving you that heads up now. Don't drag them to me because I'm not interested in working with them unless they're ready to change. And until that penny drops, and you heard it with Fergal last week, we spoke about it, that trigger moment where he was at a wedding and he's seen people gasping, looking at him. And initially he thought, oh, I'm looking dapper. And then when he was looking back on it, he reflected and in his head, he thought, or he realised, I've gained a lot of weight. And it was that moment where the penny finally dropped. He said, I have to do something about this. His confidence levels had dipped and he wanted to do something for himself. Now he's ready to change. So I think until you're really, really ready to do it, it isn't going to work. And you can encourage people and you can support people. Please do that. But they have to want to do it themselves. Otherwise, it is it's a waste of time. It's the same as an alcoholic. You can talk to them all day long about giving up alcohol. But until they reach that tipping point where they can no longer be that person. Where the pain is too much. The reason people don't want to change is because at that point in time, the pain of change for them is greater than the pain of what they're doing at the moment. So therefore they don't want change. Until it gets to a situation where the pain of where they are is greater than the pain of change. That's when we can start to create change. So the pain of where they are has to be greater than the pain of change. When you get to that point, you'll never look back. That's when you'll say, I'm ready to do this. Now I'm ready to change. And I'm ready to change forever. It's a hard point to get to, but when you get there, when you really just sit down and you confront that and you plot a way forward, that's when you're going to change your life. When you get to that point. You heard it with Fergal last week and he's gone on and done incredible things since. If you haven't listened to that podcast, folks, go and give it a listen to it because it was a really good one. But I think most of you probably have because it it done pretty good numbers and we got a lot of feedback on it. Um, next question for you. I'm discussing conscious eating here. I'm discussing eating mindfully. What I want to know now is what are you like when nobody's watching? What are you like when nobody's watching? Ask that question and then hold yourself to those standards, those high standards. It's all great and well being good in front of people this is another thing a lot of people do they're good in front of people i use the word good in inverted commas they're good in inverted good in front good in front of people they'll there, there are people out there who will eat incredibly well in public places or if they're in front of people that they want to impress or maybe they'll train really well when there's a trainer there but when they're on their own 
That's the ultimate test. And that is the time that you're going to decide your results. Because a lot of the time, you won't be eaten in front of other people. You won't be eaten in front of people that you want to impress. So what happens often with people is, if they're eating out, for example, they're meeting friends, they'll go for a salad or they'll go for something small, while maybe other people are eating something that's maybe a little bit more calorific. They'll go for something that looks healthier at that stage, and people are going, God, you're great, fair play to you. And then they'll come home, and what they've done is they've stored all their calories for the evening. And they'll come home, and they will splurge. They will have a binge all around them in the evening time. There are a lot of people that do that in the comfort of their own home when they think no one's watching, when they think that maybe I'm not going to be respected less. You know, they, they think if they do that in public, they'll be respected less. But if they do it in the privacy of their own home, nobody knows. But they don't like themselves for it and they feel guilt after it and they're self-loathing after it and it's horrible. So if you're one of those people, I think be a little bit more balanced. I think spread your calories a little bit more evenly through the day and you'll probably avoid that splurge in the evening. You'll avoid that horrible guilt. And do you know what? Nobody judges for it. Nobody judges for you for it. It's just being a little bit more balanced in your eating. Being a little bit more conscious of what you're actually doing. I hope this few sentences even has brought awareness to what you're doing. Because you might be doing it but not be aware of why you're doing it or how you're doing it. The how is that you're storing up those calories and then you're just spending them all in one splurge. So that's not the it's probably not the healthiest relationship to have with food. So just be conscious of that and just plot your day out a little bit better and think about how you could get around those situations. Um and you've got a choice. You've got a choice in everything you do. You need to be aware that you have a choice. It's you that puts food in your mouth, it's nobody else. You've got a choice with every single thing you eat. I spoke about it the last time we did the first half of this podcast. I mentioned, do I need this or do I want this? That's a good question to ask yourself. Do I need this or do I want this? Huge difference between both. You've got a choice in everything you do. You would never put a tub of ice cream in front of a loved one and say, here, eat that. Eat it all. You'd never do that. So why do it to yourself? Why take that decision? Why abuse your body by eating a whole tub of ice cream in one sitting? You don't need to do it. It's a choice. So consciously bring awareness to that choice. It's empowering when you realise that you have a choice. When you understand that it's you that's making those decisions. It's not a force of nature. It's not something that's appealing to you that's saying you have to put this in your mouth. You don't have a choice. You do have a choice. 100% you have a choice. You need to hit the pause button and you need to be in the moment. You need to ask yourself, do I need this or do I want it? Pause and ask yourself that question. Again, treats now and again are absolutely 100% fine. But if you're somebody who's doing it constantly and you're fueling your body with sugar, you're fueling your body with greasy foods, you're fueling your body with caffeine, you need to hit the pause button. You need to ask yourself those questions. You need to put yourself in control. Put yourself in control. Say to yourself, I have a choice here. I have a choice. What would a healthy person do in this situation? Some good questions to ask yourself there, folks. Some good questions. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You won't create massive change in three three weeks. You might not even create massive change in three months. So you need to be kind to yourself. You need to stop beating yourself up when you go off track. That is part of the journey that's going to happen. Everybody's going to have tough days at some point. The key to that is to get right back on track. If there's a weekend where you binge all around you, Monday morning, you just say, do you know what? It's done. There's nothing I can do about it. Dwelling on it, beating myself up. That is not going to change it. It's already happened. So what do I have to do now? I have to move on. I have to just get back on track, get a good breakfast into me on Monday morning and start again. Everybody has those days, guys. You're not unusual in that. You're completely normal. 
Everybody has those days. Myself included. There's weekends that aren't so good. When that happens, I'll just pick it right back up on Monday morning. There's not a second thought given to it. It's less just go again. Less to learn from it. That's it. But I'm not going to dwell on it because dwelling on it is not going to help me. So let's just pick ourselves up, go again. Be kind to yourself. You ain't going to create massive change in three days. So don't expect massive change in three days. You ain't going to create massive change in three weeks. So don't expect massive change in three weeks. Over three months, yeah, you're starting to see change. You're going in the right direction. But this could be a year-long process. This could be a five-year process. You have to realise that where you are now is the result of choices and behaviours that have become ingrained over 20, 30 years. So how do you expect that you're going to reverse those changes within three weeks? You're not. You're not. Like people say, oh, it takes 21 days to change a habit. Nonsense. 21 days. Like, why not 20 days? 21 days to be precise. On day 21, everything is going to fall into place. Magically. Just going to fall into place like that. Now it ain't going to happen, guys. If you've been eating a certain way for 20 years... It is going to take more than that. And it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of conscious awareness on your part. But you can do it. You absolutely can do it. I did it myself about six, seven years ago. Started eating a lot more consciously. My food choices were pretty good anyway, but there certainly was improvement. Once I started bringing awareness to what I was doing, I've never looked back. And I think that's going to be the same for all of you guys. If you just make a decision on it, write things down if you need to for a while. Bring awareness. And the final tip I'm going to give you here is cut things out at source. Cut things out at source. What goes into your trolley is a major, major problem for a lot of people listening to this at the moment. If you don't bring those foods into the house, you're not going to eat those foods. If you cut the problem out at source, it's a lot easier than having them in your cupboard and in your fridge looking at you, putting temptation in front of you. It makes that decision-making process a lot easier. So when I'm saying to you there about slowing down, hitting the pause button, asking yourself the question, do I want this or do I need this? Telling yourself that you've got a choice. That choice becomes a hell of a lot easier if those foods are not in the house. So be aware of what you're doing when you're shopping. Don't shop when you're hungry. If you're hungry, you will eat everything. You will buy everything around you. Don't shop when you're hungry first and foremost. But bring a shopping list and stick to the shopping list. Cut things out. Don't put things in your trolley that shouldn't be there. And again, the want versus need question has to come into here, play here when you're shopping. What do I need versus what do I want? Does this go into the trolley? Do I need this? Yeah, that's broccoli. Yes, that's sweet potato. Yes, that's brown rice, whatever. Yes, I need that. Do I need this? These penguin bars that are on sale. Oh, look, they're only a euro. How could I possibly leave them behind? They're cheap. They're cheap. <laughs> they're, they're cheap in price and they're cheap in quality. You might not be paying monetary value again. But you're paying in terms of your body composition, you're paying in terms of your health if you're making those choices all the time. So think about those things. That's your one versus need when you're shopping. Next thing when you're shopping is habit versus future. Habit versus future. The habit is what's going on at the moment. It's the penguin bars going into the trolley. That's the habit. The future is the future that you want to create, where you want to be, where your goal is, why you want to get there, why that's important to you. Being the person that you want to be, that's your future. So is the habit, the temporary habit that gives you a temporary dopamine release that makes you feel good very temporarily, the chocolate cake, the penguin bars, that's the temporary habit. Is that more important than the long-term future? So they both bring reward. The temporary habit brings immediate reward. It's the immediate dopamine hit. That's the immediate reward. The future is the long-term reward. That's going to take a lot longer. That's going to take a lot more work. It's going, to, it's going to be delayed. It's that delayed reward. So that's in the future. But the rewards for that are massive as well. 
if you think about your health, if you think about the longevity of your life, if you think about the quality of your life, if it's an aesthetic goal, it's a body composition goal, picture where you want to be. That's a massive reward versus the small, short-term, temporary reward of the penguin bar. So can you see where I'm coming from there? So when you're shopping, think about habit versus future. This is the immediate habit. Is that more important than the long-term future? The thing that I want there or that I see I want at least. That thing that's out there is a reward a long time from now. Which is more important? Bring awareness to that. Final thing when you're shopping is food labels. Start reading them, folks. Please start reading food labels. If you don't know how to do it, learn how to do it. Talk to somebody. I do it all the time with the online courses. I spend a lot of time with my clients on food labels. People make decisions based on the front of a packet. I spoke about it last week with Fergal. Front of a packet means absolutely nothing. Front of a packet is designed by marketing people to sell the product, to make money for the company. They don't give a damn about your health. Your health is not a priority for them. Making money, running a successful business is a priority for them. Having their yacht in Monaco is a priority for them, not your health. So you need to take responsibility for yourself. You need to stop looking at the front of a packet. You need to start looking at the back of the packet. The real information is on the back of the packet. The nutritional information. Look at the sugar sugar content. Look at the fiber content. Look at the protein content. Look at the saturated fat. Learn how to read those food labels, guys. Taking two hours someday, and it won't even take two hours, just to educate yourself. And then when you're in the shop, you're looking at them for a few weeks. It's a bit of a pain in the ass because you're having to look at everything. But once you get past the first two weeks, you're going to know everything. It sticks with you because some things will shock you. And you'll go, oh, that is not going into my trolley. Whereas other stuff, you'll go, that's low calorie. That's got loads of nutritional benefits. That's going in. So that's important, okay? So read those food levels. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that, guys. That's part two of, what did we call the episode? It was eating consciously and eating mindlessly. That's part two of that episode. I hope there's been something useful in there for you. And as always, if there's something I can help you with, don't hesitate to get in touch. Yeah. I um, hope you've enjoyed the last few episodes. It's been great having a few guests back. So today's a solo cast. I might have guests on next week again. Maybe. See how we go. Hope you've enjoyed that, guys. Have an amazing week. And I will speak to you all again very soon.